This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief for Thursday, August 11th, 2022. And before I get into the news today, I want to talk to you about our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine. We here at CrossPolitik are on a mission to make magazines great again. So, subscribe to our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine today. This is a quarterly mini-book-like experience packed full of a variety of authors that includes theologically driven cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled throughout the glossy pages, and more. Sign up your church. Sign up your grumpy uncle. While you're at it, sign up the Pope, Elon Musk's, and Russell Moore. Disclaimer, this magazine will guarantee various responses and cross-politics is not held liable for any of them. Reading the whole magazine may cause theological maturation, possibly encourage your kids to take the Lord's Supper with you, and will likely cause you to randomly chuckle in joy at God's wondrous world. Sign up today. Four issues and $60 per year. That's it. What are you waiting for? Go to fightlaughfeast.com right now to sign up. Man, you got Go sign up right now. Trump, he's back in the news. So let's start off with him, and I'm sure you all are keeping up with this story. But Trump is fired up despite the FBI raid and has made up his mind about a 2024 run. Let me ask the crowd of everybody here, would you like to see the president run again in 2024? You're not going to answer, but I have to ask, where are you in the process of, or have, let me ask you this, without giving the answer what the answer is, have you made up your mind? Yes. I think you got it right. (laughs) Yeah. When you look, you know, it's funny because I've known you 25 years. And I remember when you were first talking about running and we actually argued. Remember, we'd argue about certain things and Iraq and and certain wars and everything. And then you became president. And I remember when I supported you, I said, I I said, he will govern as a conservative. And people didn't understand. You really governed as conservative as any president in the modern day. That is your core belief. And actually, Sean, you have known me for a long time, and my views have never really changed. I mean, if you look at my views, my views haven't changed. I felt this way about these crazy endless wars where... We're losing so many wonderful, young, beautiful people, and we're not fighting. We're just sort of there, and we don't do it. You know, we knocked out ISIS. You saw what I did during a short period of time. Over a period of a year and a half. Wiped out the caliphate. ISIS wiped out the caliphate. It was was getting worse and worse. But we've got to bring our people back home. It's time. 21 years in Afghanistan. 21 years. And so... uh, we rebuilt our military. It was totally depleted. It was, it was terrible. We had jets that were 40 years old, jet fighters that were 40 years old that they didn't make parts for anymore. You had to go to the desert to get the parts, where they have the, what they call the airplane graveyards. And we have now all brand new planes, brand new everything, all made in the USA. No, we have to get, we have to get ourselves set. We have to reorient. But uh, the Middle East has been a disaster for this country. We've spent trillions and trillions of dollars. We got nothing. And the beauty was we didn't need their oil anymore, but now we're going to need their oil again because we're not going to be energy independent we're not for very now. long. Here, we're ready. I don't believe we are now. And you're, you're, when I left, it was $1.87 a gallon for gas. And now it's three and a half. 
Former President Donald Trump remains very upbeat and fired up despite the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago and has made up his mind about running in 2024, according to a Republican lawmaker who met with him late Tuesday, and you heard him on that Sean Hannity exclusive right there. Rep. Jim Banks was one of the nearly dozen members of the House Republican Study Committee who met Trump, 76, just a day after the shocking raid on his Florida estate. And that number right there, age 76, and he's already had one term. That's kind of why I'm hoping DeSantis is the one, but that's just me. He didn't seem defeated in the least bit. He was very fired up and very upbeat, Banks told Fox News of the greatest of a great three-hour-long chat at Trump's New Jersey Golf Club bedminister. He said, we are going to take... Uh, We're going to like his decision, and it is only a matter of time before he will make that decision known, Banks told Fox News of Trump, who hours earlier released a campaign-style video promising that the best is yet to come. Hey, and since we're already talking about Trump, how about this? Trump suggests the FBI may have planted evidence during the Mar-a-Lago raid. Former President Donald Trump suggests the FBI may have planted evidence during the Bureau's raid at his Mar-a-Lago home because members of his team were blocked from watching the agents. In a Truth Social post on Wednesday, the former president wrote that the FBI and others from the federal government would not let anyone, including my lawyers, be anywhere near the areas that were rummaged and otherwise looked at during the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Everyone was asked to leave the premises. They wanted to be left alone without any witnesses to see what they were doing, taking, or hopefully not planting. Why did they strongly insist on having nobody watching them and everybody out, said Trump. FBI agents spent about 10 hours scouring his private office on Monday and broke into a safe, according to Trump and members of his family. Bruce Reinhardt, a Florida federal magistrate judge, signed off on the warrant to search the former president's Florida property. Reinhardt worked as a federal prosecutor until 2008 when he became a defense attorney representing employees of convicted sex trafficker and wealthy financer Jeffrey Epstein. Employees included Epstein's pilots, a scheduler, and others. The Epic Times commented, or excuse me, contacted the FBI for comment. Neither the Bureau nor Attorney General Merrick Garland have offered public comments about the raid, drawing even questions and condemnation from Democrat Democrat politicians. You know it's bad when even they're uh, criticizing things. So, hey, speaking of those January 6th hearings, again, centered around Trump here, but Monmouth poll, January 6th hearings have little impact on public opinion. Shocker. The House January 6th Select Committee hearings have done little to change people's opinions surrounding the 2021 Capitol attack, as this article has it phrased, a new poll found. And this is from Newsmax. Surprising they would phrase it like that. Regarding former President Donald Trump's culpability in the assault and claims of election fraud, public opinion stands pretty much as it was before testimony of former President aides during the last three public hearings, the latest Monmouth University poll found. Not only that, Trump's favorability rating is nearly identical to where it was immediately after the 2020 election. Also, 4 in 10 Americans would lean toward backing a comeback bid in 2024, according to the Monmouth poll. Overall, just 8% of Americans said the hearings have changed their minds about the Capitol Hill incident, basically unchanged from 6% who said the same in June. Quote, when we released our June poll, I said the committee was preaching to the choir. These current results suggest that they haven't recruited any new singers since then said Patrick Murray, director of the independent Monmouth University Polling Institute. 
The survey found that 38% of respondents believe Trump was responsible directly for what happened on January 6th. That number stood at 42% right before the testimony of former Trump White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson. Way to go, Cassidy ruined it. Or maybe it was for the best. Maybe she's on his side. I don't know. The sensational revelations during the hearings do not seem to have moved the public opinion needle on Trump's culpability for either the riot or his spurious election fraud claims, Murray said. Only 41%, including 73% of Democrats, favor charging Trump with crimes related to his involvement on January 6th. A total of 34%, including 66% of Republicans, were opposed, and another 25% were unsure. Majority 61% of Americans have at least a little trust in the House committee in conducting a fair investigation. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, But there's a huge difference between Democrats, 91% for Democrats, and Republicans, 35%. There's the difference. You see how crazy our culture is? This is why we need to train our kids up on the solid rock. And a good place to do that for your college-age kids, at least, is NSA. Today's culture shifts like sand, but New St. Andrews College is established on Christ, the immovable rock. It is a premier institution that forges evangelical leaders to, who don't fear or hate the world. Guided by God's word, they take the world back because they're equipped with the genius of classical liberal arts and God-honoring wisdom, thanks to a faculty dedicated to academic rigor and to God's kingdom. Find out more at nsa.edu. Some recent news on the DeSantis front. I mentioned him earlier. Top DeSantis challenger paid thousands to Gen Z liberal activists facing campus-wide allegations of sexual assault. Oh, that's always a good look. On July 8th, Democrat Charlie Crist's gubernatorial race paid $2,250 to Politically Correct Strategies, a consulting company registered to Gen Z liberal activist and former Dartmouth student Jack Coquirella, Coquirella, Coquirella. We're going with that one. You take your pick. For digital consulting, just weeks later on July 28th, the prestigious school's College Democrats chapter revealed it ousted Coquirella from the club in late October 2021 following campus-wide allegations of sexual assault. Those allegations emerged publicly in a sting in a string of December 2021 Reddit posts which accused Coquirella of using his Twitter notoriety and left-wing credentials to position himself as an ally. Then, once people let their guards down, he raped them. Cheery. Christ, who did not return repeated requests for comment, has remained silent on the accusations facing his campaign aide. By his own logic, that silence means he endorses Cookiarella's alleged behavior. In a June 29th tweet, Chris pressed DeSantis to condemn the January 6th riots, writing, Is it just me, or do you agree that his silence equals endorsement? End quote. Yeah, check your logic there, buddy. Chris is not only is not the only prominent Democrat to hire Cookiarella following the troubling allegations. Rep. Majority Green uh, Taylor Green's Democratic opponent Marcus Flowers has paid Cookiarella's firm more than forty thousand dollars since October 2021, when the activist announced his new role as Flowers' digital creator. Flowers has his own alleged issues with women. In July 2016, the Democrat attempted to dump his ex-wife, Russian national, I'm not even going to try with that name, (laughs) at a local homeless shelter. What a just charming man right there. Court documents reported by the New Republic show, Flowers did not dispute the incident and instead defended his attempt to offload his ex-wife, saying he felt, quote, that she had a personality disorder 
that was not previously disclosed till death do us part for better for worse none of that in turn his ex accused flowers of threatening to strike her Cookiarella, whose Twitter account boasts more than 250,000 followers and includes a photo of the activist smiling alongside President Joe Biden, enrolled as a Dartmouth freshman during the 21-22 school year. While it's unclear what specific digital consulting service is provided uh, for Crest, Cookiarella publicly endorsed the former governor over fellow DeSantis challenger Nikki Freed just days after Crest's campaign paid him. Flowers, meanwhile, routinely replies to Cucciarella's tweets to solicit campaign contributions. In October 2021, he called the young activist an outstanding young man. In addition to his work with Chris Dan Flowers, Cucciarella has collaborated with the Lincoln Project, an anti-Republican super PAC founded by disgraced sexual predator John Weaver. It just gets better and better. Cucciarella, during an August 1st podcast appearance, did, however, confirm his decision to transfer from Dartmouth to a fellow Ivy League school, Columbia, the activist did not discuss why he opted to leave Dartmouth after just one year at the college and is yet to publicly address the allegations leveled against him. Cucciarella, Dartmouth College Democrats, and Dartmouth's Title IX office did not return requests for comment. Well, isn't that just a nice story? Let's shift our eyes back to the Northeast. Governor Hochul, Hochul signs legislation changing the term inmate for those in the prison system. This is in New York. The word inmate is out in the New York state law, and that decision is getting a lot of attention. What isn't in the state of New York? It just gets worse. A top political analyst told uh, was on Tuesday that Governor Hochul's decision to substitute the term incarcerated individuals for inmates in state law is her way of trying to reconcile issues of justice with issues of safety. Dr. Maringoff of Marist College says the governor has already chosen a clear path on the issue of crime by not bringing the legislature back to deal with bail reform, and he believes she's banking on this language change, helping her with her base in November. Well, this will help you with your insane base, I agree. Trimble argues that using inclusive language that makes those returning to society after a stint in prison feel comfortable is not a heavy lift, and one that will make a real difference in people's lives. She said, quote, You know, we love to label people, and this is a community that is extremely vulnerable. What about the victim? Oh, my goodness. It continues, We need to provide them with as many possibilities and hopeful futures as possible. End quote. Don't get me wrong. Our prison system needs a lot of reform, and it is unbiblical in a lot of ways. But, um... This is not justice right here for the victims in a lot of cases, I'm sure. Anyways, let's shift to the topic that I love, sports. And we're talking baseball today. This is for you, Mark Dewey. After abandoning their heritage and name, the Cleveland Guardians, sorry, they're the Indians, I don't care what it says, uh, the Guardians' attendance has tanked since the name change. Huh. Last year, in an attempt to appease woke liberals, the Cleveland Indians changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians after previously announcing their intent to drop the Indians' name in 2020. The team released a statement announcing their decision. The Cleveland Indians today announced our decision to begin the process of changing our team name, Indians. It continues, since July, we have conducted an extensive process to learn how our team name affected different constituencies and whether it aligned with our organizational values. The organization... Uh, as a result of that process, we have decided to move forward with changing the current team name and determining a new non-Native American base name for the franchise. Yes, instead of honoring 
the Native Americans here, uh, let's just erase them. They further detailed, in our statement in June 2020, we acknowledge the importance of taking a leadership role in diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts across the community and enhancing our support of underserved and underrepresented groups by erasing them. (laughs) As As a part of that commitment, we heard from individuals and groups who shared a variety of views and opinions on the issue. What a joke. Their efforts to bring people together have apparently failed, as they've brought about 6,000 fewer people together per game. Average attendance has dropped to 15,636 fans a game this year, according to Baseball Reference, a steep decline from their 21,465 average attendance in 2019. The most recent year, not affected by COVID hysteria, albeit attendance is up from 2021, where the average attendance was only 13,000 or so. TV ratings have also fallen by 30%, according to Forbes. This is not the result of fans not showing up because the team is tanking, like in Oakland. Cleveland is only a game back of the division lead, right in the middle of the playoff hunt. Cleveland is a small market team that is already short on cash in comparison to bigger market teams like New York, L.A., and Boston. So the loss of revenue from lower ticket sales only exasperates the problem. The team attempted to satisfy the demands of a group of people, woke liberals, that don't represent their fan base, and now they're paying the price. The Venn diagram of people offended by their previous name and fans of the team itself may as well be two distinct circles. The Guardians are not the first team to come under attack for a politically incorrect name. In 2020, the Washington Redskins changed their name to the Washington football team before setting on the only slightly less generic Washington Commanders a year later. If I can back up to that Guardians or the Guardians name, I'll bet those people aren't even baseball fans. We had Mark Dewey on the show recently, and they're catering to people who don't care about baseball. It's insanity. Washington, so back to the commanders or the Redskins, Washington caved in the face of immense pressure by members of the media who claimed their 80-year-old name was a racist slur. Interestingly enough, the Washington Post ran a poll about the term Redskin and found that 9 out of 10 Native Americans didn't find the term Redskin offensive back in 2016. That's when the article ran. Interesting. You can find now there's an article, an updated article in 2020, that says, uh, from the Washington Post, ironic, uh, that says, oh, maybe we didn't consider some things, of course. Not every team felt compelled to give in to the demands of the woke mob, however. The Chicago Blackhawks of the NHL came under similar pressure to change their Native American theme name and logo. Instead of throwing away decades of team history and tradition to switch to a soulless new moniker that their fans would have no connection to, they simply said no. Deciding instead to use the notoriety created by the use of Black Hawk name to honor Native American culture. Quote, we celebrate Black Hawk's legacy by offering ongoing reverent examples of Native American culture, traditions, and contributions, providing a platform for genuine dialogue with local and national Native American groups, the team continued. As a team's popularity grew over the past decade, decade, so did that platform and our work with these important organizations. Hopefully, this latest iteration of the Get Woke, Go Broke phenomenon will teach teams that the silent majority in America are the ones that pay their bills, not the perpetually offended minority. This has been your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to become a club member, sign up for a conference or sign up for a magazine. 
You can do all of that at FightLabFeast.com. And as always, if you'd like to send me an email with a news story, ask about our conference, or become a corporate partner of CrossPolitik, you can email me at Garrison at FightLabFeast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day, and Lord bless.